Tonight at Ground Zero Meetings, we're going to continue through our Bible teachings, and tonight's message is on the book of Joel. Um, Joel is a, a small book, and it's one of the minor prophets, and it's not 100% clear um, when exactly it's written, um, but they believe that it's written around the time of, of Ezra and Nehemiah. You know, that Joel was so familiar with some of the other scriptural books that he makes references to so many of them. He makes references in Amos and Isaiah and Nahum and Zephaniah and Obadiah and Ezekiel, Malachi and Exodus. You know, another aspect of this book, that Joel is accusing Israel of sin, but he isn't specific to what sin. Where in some of the other books that the prophets are calling out the, the temple worship and the, the, the idol worship and certain you know, the injustices to the poor and injustices to the refugees, you know, that Joel isn't specifically talking about sin, you know, but however, you know, he's announcing God's judgment is coming. He never really explains why. However, you know, he's proclaiming at the same time as most likely there's other prophets in the city or other prophets in the in the land that are are talking about this judgment, you know, a lot of these prophets were living in in close proximity to each other, and they lived in, you know, the, the same towns or the same cities, you know, and it wasn't until later that we realized that they had some of the same messages, you know, that that Joel is is probably piggybacking, maybe, you know, Nehemiah or Ezra as they're talking to Jerusalem. You know, we we see some of his references in Ezekiel and Isaiah, so maybe he's you know prophesying and 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 being a, a part of the city at the same time that they are. <clears throat> you know, we see you know as as he's reading through and, and referencing all these different common you know scriptures that he knew the word of the Lord. You know, he was very in tuned with scripture, you know, and it was so important for him to, to begin to rely on scripture just as we should. You know, as we get into the word of the Lord, we know what God is doing and, and showing us what we should be doing and shouldn't be doing. You know, that he was referencing the Torah, he was referencing other, other books, you know, so it was important for him to be in on his word, which was in scrolls back then. You know, it's far more important for us to be in our word so that we know what God is speaking to us. You know, he was submerged in this. You know, that we can see it in his, his writings as he's referencing all these different books. You know, scripture is, is such an important part of a believer's life and it's, it's vital. It's vital for us to know God. It's vital for us to follow God. It's vital for us to, to break free from sin. It's vital for us to become who God is calling us to be. So many of us own Bibles, but we're not really good at, at spending time in it. Something that I like to do is encourage everyone to read their Bible. You're going to hear that from me almost every week. Um, because I know without reading my Bible, I wouldn't be able to, to follow the Lord the way that I do and, 
He wouldn't be able to rescue me when I go in the wrong direction. He wouldn't be able to speak to me when it feels like he's far from me. You know, so it's important that we're, we're getting into our word. Um, tonight I'll be handing out Bible reading plans as we're starting the new year. I find that it's really encouraging and it helps me to, to systematically kind of go through the Bible. You know, some of us OCD people like to check boxes. You know, this is a very good, you know, exercise for checking boxes. Probably the only one that will ever really work for you. But anyway, you know, you know, this way it gives, puts you in different places in the Bible and helps you to read through it, you know. And I'm only giving you the beginning part so I don't give you the whole piece so that you can rush ahead for those of you overachievers. <clears throat> but anyway, anyway, you know, Joel is focusing on the day of the Lord, you know, and this is something that was, you know, happened in the past. You know, where God's people were confronted by the, you know, the evil and the sin. You know, God wanted to get their attention and he gave them lots of mercy, lots of compassion, lots of warning. And eventually when they didn't turn, God got a hold of them and, and showed them that things needed to change. You know, as Joel was in scripture, he recognized some of the past events that seem like they're going on now. For me, when I read through the book of Jeremiah, it's almost like I can see the parallels of stuff that's going on today. You know, there, all the different corruption in the church, all the stuff, different corruption in the government, all the different greed, all the different injustices, all the different stuff with the refugees, all of this, all of that. You know, it's like you could just take us in reverse for a couple thousand years. It seems like we could use that book to, to be talking about what's going on right now, you know. <clears throat> and Joel is talking about that they would, you know, see God move in this way again, that he was going to confront the evil, confront the sin, you know, and in his people. However, God is going to bring salvation to the world. You know, so once again, we see this message of mercy, we see this message of hope, at the same time that he is talking about conviction. You know, Joel begins to, to get the attention of the elders and the priests, and he's calling for them to repent. You know, and he leads the charge, that he sets the example that he's repenting himself in front of everybody. You know, and it's important for us to, to be repenting on a regular basis. You know, some people believe that we repent once, we say our little sinner's prayer, we believe that Jesus comes and we're good. You know, and Paul constantly, you know, fought off the Judaizers and fought off people that were pushing a Gnostic gospel that basically said that, you know, once you have accepted Jesus, you can just sin however you want and you're okay. You know, that, you know, the blood of Jesus covers your sin of all time, which is true, but it doesn't mean that we can can continue in sin. You know, being this time of year, you know, we like to make resolutions, right? You know, I make a re resolution to lose weight. I make a resolution to get to the gym. I make a resolution to quit drinking. I make a resolution to quit porn. I make a resolution. But the problem with making resolutions is it's I-centered. I'm going to change me. But when we repent, it's saying, God, I have sinned against you. And I need your help to change me. 
you know, so, you know, it's interesting that we land on this book at this time of year, you know, that I believe that each one of us has areas in our lives that we should be repenting of and that we should be asking God into these situations and saying, God, I don't even like this about me. I want this to change. However, I know that this is really a sin against you and I need you to help me to change because I can't change myself. Because how many times have we tried to change ourselves and fallen short? Hundreds, dozens, how many of us have been on a diet? That worked great, didn't it? <laughs> you know, how many times do we try behavioral modification? And all of a sudden, you know, it's like, well, you know, I've behaved today, so what's the big deal if I eat this little bit? You know, and then all of a sudden we're taking something bigger and cutting it into smaller pieces, and we're like, well, I'll just have a little, uh, one more piece, uh, one more, one more, and then the next thing you know, we ate the whole thing anyway. <laughs> You know, well, I'll just go on the internet for a little while, and then we might be on there for a little while, but we found ourselves in the wrong places. You know, well, I'm just going to go talk to so-and-so, and before we know it, we're doing things that we shouldn't be doing. You know, that we have a horrible ability to have self-control when our emotions are running rampant. You know, and it's so important that we know God's Word. It's so important that we're in a relationship with God it's so important that we have accountability partners in the areas of our struggles that people should know that I'm struggling in this and I'm working on that and God's telling me this and I shouldn't be doing that and I shouldn't be hanging out with so-and-so and I definitely shouldn't be talking to so-and-so. And it's so important that we are doing things to, to let God move into our lives. You know, that it's important for us to constantly be seeking God into these situations you know, so that we can have him direct our steps. You know, a lot of us want to change one area of another of our lives, but we don't really bring God into the equation because what if I want to bail out on it in the last second? You know, I remember in the beginning, you know, as I was learning to pray and learning that, that God was actually paying attention to me, you know, I prayed a very scary prayer. God, take my addictions away. And I was like, whoa. I didn't really mean that one. I just want you to take away the consequences of my addictions. That seems fair. Because I want to still participate in my pleasurable sin, but I don't want the consequences of my actions. And usually this is the way we hang out with God. We make bargains with him. We, we try to manipulate him. We try to get him to be twisted around to our will. We try to reason with him and we try to justify why it's okay. And the truth of the matter is, is that God isn't moved by us. That he wants us to, to truly seek him for him. A lot of times we're seeking him to get what we want. And we wonder why God doesn't move or why things don't happen or why we're not getting breakthrough is because it's still not about him. It's still about us. You know, <clears throat> and I remember really asking God to take my addictions away. And it's like, wait a minute. 
you know, I'm never going to, like, use drugs again. Well, what about the fun drugs that I don't get in trouble using? You know, what, you know, God, you're going to take, I'm going to have to be celibate? Like, really? Like, that's a thing? Like, the Bible was written a long time ago, God. Are you sure that, like, that's relevant today? Because everyone else is doing it. And the truth of the matter is, is that the Bible is still true today. The same sins that got them in trouble 2,000, 3,000 years ago are the same sins that we're getting involved in today, and it wreaks havoc in our lives, brings condemnation, brings destruction. <clears throat> God's Word's still true. And when we align, our, align ourselves with God's Word and believe that it's true, that it begins to direct our steps. When we constantly are trying to manipulate God and we pick out scriptures that we like, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Yeah. You definitely can. God is for me and not against me. So that means I can do whatever I want to do. Yeah. You know, we, we have these things that we throw out there and a lot of times we don't even know where they are in the Bible. You know, that we have these little sayings that justify our actions. Well, God just wants me to be happy. You know, God wants you to be holy. And sometimes that doesn't mean that you're going to be happy. However, you will be blessed. You know, and I learned a long time ago that my way of living isn't working. But yet, we see over and over again and throughout the Bible is that people are doing whatever they want to do and it's not working. Like, sin hasn't changed since the beginning of man. Like, sin is still the same thing. It's me trying to get what I want at the cost of others and trying to convince God that it's okay. And then when God comes in and brings adjustment or correction or punishment, I'm really upset. Because I want my will in the name of Jesus, right? My will be done. Jesus, make that happen. And if we really look at our prayers, we can see that. You know, when we really say, God, your will be done, less of me, more of you, and then he asks us to do do something or not do something, we're like, wait, 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 that's not what I, that's not what I want to do. Like we instantly take that prayer back. But God already set things in motion. Some of us are still resisting God's will and we're wondering why we're trying to go up the stream and everything seems like it's coming against us because we prayed certain prayers that are starting are already in motion, but we're still trying to get our will accomplished. And God's like, no, 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 we made a deal. You asked me into your life. You asked me into your heart. You asked to be one of my kids. You know, and the word tells us that it's, you know, blessed are those that receive correction. Yay. It's awesome. I love that stuff. But see, Joel begins to foretell of a future day of the Lord. And they would know what that meant because the last time that there was a day of the Lord, there was a lot of things that weren't going the way they had hoped, you know. They always thought that Jerusalem was going to be, you know, God's city and that it was never going to be destroyed. And then once David established it, everybody started to do whatever they wanted to do. 
and God came through and, and brought exile and brought destruction. So when Joel is talking about a future that day of the Lord, that disaster is going to come to Jerusalem, that he sees God's army, that it's destroying everything in its path. Well, wait a minute. God's army can't destroy God's city. Well, if God's city is doing what is against God, then certainly God's army will destroy God's city. Just because I'm a believer doesn't mean that God can't break things off in my life, change, correct, destroy. But the funny thing about repentance is that it moves God's heart into mercy and compassion. And sometimes at the very last second, when everything seems like it's going to be lost, when we finally get to that place that it's not about me anymore and God, I want you, he begins to change and restore and heal. You know, I see that. I've seen it in my life. I've seen it in some of your lives. I've seen it in marriages. I've seen it in children. I've seen it, how God, at the last possible second, when we're like, it's over. God's like, oh, your heart finally got put in the right place. I got you now. But some of us still want to do it our way. You know, there's a, an aspect of worldly repentance versus godly repentance. Worldly repentance is basically, I'm sorry because you're upset. And a lot of times we have this sort of worldly repentance. And in the moment we mean it, we really do because you're really upset. And I'm sorry that you're upset. But I'm not really sorry that I did what I did because as soon as you're not paying attention, I'm going to do it again. But hopefully next time you don't catch me. But a godly repentance is that we know that we've sinned against the Lord. Not just the person. However, when we sin, we sin against ourselves and we sin against other people. And even when we just sin against ourselves and we don't think it affects anybody else, it begins to affect everybody else. You know, even our private sins that no one knows about, it destroys our attitude. We have condemnation. We get angry. We get bitter. We get short. We blow up for no reason. We don't have joy. We don't have peace. So our interactions with other people after we've sinned and it didn't affect everybody, affects everybody. That we could never sin, that it won't affect everyone around us. But first and foremost, it, it infects and destroys us. And it's so important that we get before God and we say, God, I don't want to be this person anymore. It's not that I don't want to do these things. I don't want to be known as the person I once was. You know, that's scary and angry Tom. Yep, damn right. I want everyone to be afraid of me. I'm going to carry myself in such a way, have chips on both shoulders, and have such an attitude that wherever I go, that I intimidate. Why? Because I'm broken and insecure on the inside, and I don't want to confront everybody, so I just come across as really angry. You know, when I first started coming to the rooms, you know, in Utica, when I first started coming to church, when I first started to, to, to live in Utica, there's people like that were in AA or in NA that would get up and move if I sat down in anywhere near them because they were intimidated. You know, and I would bring up a topic and you would share and I would tell you, you know, I would, you know, cross talk. I would, I've thrown chairs in meetings. Yeah, Tom, I want to hang out with that guy. He's awesome. I remember very clearly one day wondering why I'm alone, but I reject everybody. 
wondering why I'm depressed and I have no one in my life, it's because I push everybody away. Because I've been betrayed and I've been broken and I've been lied to and I've been cheated on and da 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 da. You know, we've all had these types of situations. But if we continue to live the old way and don't allow God to move into our lives for healing, that we're always going to be stuck in the same routines. See, Joel is calling them to change. He's giving, you know, this message of hope that in the midst of destruction, if they would reach out, that God would begin to move into their lives. You know, and, and it's funny, you know, these books, you know, when you really read them, you know, we, we have the perspective that, that we have the New Testament today. So Joel's prophesying that the sun darkens and the earthquakes. See, today we know that that happened when Jesus was crucified. But when he wrote it, you know, he's just talking about God's judgment. And ultimately, the cross is God's judgment of sin on humanity. But see, Christ took our judgment upon him. And he absorbed it. All sin of all time, past, present, future. That his blood was shed so that we could have freedom. But yet, we don't really want Jesus. We just want to go to heaven. And somehow we've got this, this message that if I said my sinner's prayer... Now I'm good to go. But for me, when I first started coming to church, you know, I didn't really want Jesus. I just wanted freedom. But then I started to realize that if I want freedom, I need Jesus. You know, and then they told me I had to read that book. And I'm like, ah, did they make a movie of this thing? Because it's like big. And like, they laughed, and I was serious. But I began to read it. And it made absolutely no sense. Just like sometimes when we read it and it makes no sense. But I remember very clearly the day that I was reading it and God jumped off that page for the very first time. And I was like, whoa, what is up with this book? That no other book has done that to me. And since then, how many times have I read that book and it's talking to me exactly about what's going on in my life right now? God speaks through those pages. But a lot of times we don't want to get into the pages because we don't want God to speak. Because if he speaks, he's going to tell us exactly where we're at in life and we don't really want to change. So then therefore we don't really want Jesus. So therefore we'll just go to church and we leave our Bible alone. Praise God. But we can go to church our whole lives and miss Jesus just like I did. I was raised in the church. Didn't know Jesus at all. I remember very clearly when I was 29 and I came to celebrate recovery for the first time and this lady's talking about Jesus and it was like, I've never heard this before. Why didn't anybody tell me that Jesus wanted to forgive my sins? It's like our ears are opened and our eyes are opened for the very first time. Because it's not about going to church. It's not about behaving. It's not about money. Just go to church and give us your money and quit being a sinner and you'll go to heaven. Like that's not a message that we read. See, Joel was prophesying the day of the Lord that Jesus was coming. 
see some of us are in the this present time, but we're still missing Jesus. You know, that we've said our prayers and we, we know a little bit of our Bible and we pray on a regular and we go to church and we know enough to be dangerous, but yet yeah, and when the truth be told, I don't know him. That he speaks to us. He's listening to everything that we think and say. And that he uses all sorts of different things to speak back into our lives. He calls on his people to pray and repent. I think that it's fitting that this is our last message before we move into the new year because it's always a time of reflection that 2019 is going to be better than 2008. That this is the year I'm going to lose a ton of weight and not eat Chinese food. In Jesus' name. All of you are laughing. No PlayStation for you. In Jesus' name. God wills it. No chicken either. But anyway. He tells us how, though. He tells us how. He says to rend our hearts, not our clothing. And to rend is to to rip or to tear. And when they had repentance, they'd grab their garments and they'd rip them. And it would show repentance on the outside, but there there wouldn't be any internal repentance. And they would throw dust and they would make a scene. How many times have we made a scene? But there was no change. See, God wants our hearts to rip for him. He doesn't want us to go through the motions. You know, as I've spent time working my own steps and learning steps and and really, you know, studying them and, and how to teach them to other people, you know, that the amends step, which a lot of people think are apologies, and, and on some level it, it, it kind of is an apology, but it's not what we think it is because most of us want to run and make apologies. I'm sorry. I apologize. But usually the people that we need to apologize to and say we're sorry to don't want to hear it anymore. That literally our words mean nothing at this point. And then sometimes it, even God is like, heard it before your actions haven't changed you're sorry that you feel condemned for your sin but you're not done doing your sin like you wish that i just leave you alone and make it okay so you can do that but if that really happened that would be scary i am so grateful that god doesn't leave me alone as difficult as it is that god wants us to let him into the depths of our hearts And it starts with repentance. Saying, God, I I don't know how to do this. God, I need you. God, I'm sorry that I'm sinning against you. And as we tear our hearts and we get into our word, you know, we begin to see what God wants us to really 
to do and to be, you know, that it begins to promote change. So often we learn our Bibles to help other people. You know, that, oh, this verse is good for Alex. Oh, this, oh, this verse is good for Leon. Oh, this verse, this verse right here. Sean needs to hear this verse. How many times have we read the Bible that way? And the Holy Spirit's like, that verse is for you. And we're like, no, 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 no. Mikey really needs that verse. How many times have we been sitting in church and the pastor's preaching and we're like, oh, I wish so-and-so was here. Oh, that would really get them. Like, how do I share this message? And we want to send the message to somebody. But yet we won't let that penetrate our heart. We won't let that renew our minds. We're so quick to play hot potato with it. Like, oh, oh, you, here, you have some conviction. Oh, there's some conviction for you. Like, oh, I'm good. I'm holy. I'm at least I'm in church today. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. I brought my Bible to church. I'm super holy. And yet God's trying to break through the hardness of our hearts. But we do everything to like, no, 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 no. That's uncomfortable. I don't like that. Why? Why won't you just leave me alone? Am I the only one that's prayed like, God, just leave me alone? I'm like, wait, wait, wait. I didn't really mean that. Come back, come back. God, just, just let me, just, just let me do it today. Tomorrow I'll change. Tomorrow never comes. Joel says, why? Why do we repent? We repent because God is gracious and compassionate, that he's slow to anger, that he's full of love. You know, Joel is quoting Exodus because he forgave his people after they were basically having an orgy worshiping a golden calf. Moses is up on the hill getting the commandments, and they're like, well, we need an image. And like Aaron is like, oh, we'll do this. Give me all your gold. We'll make a golden calf, just like the gods that we worshiped in Egypt. And they're basically having a wild party. Moses comes down so pissed off, he breaks the Ten Commandments, rebukes the people. He's got to go back up the hill and be like, God, I lost my temper. These people you gave me, God. But see, Joel is, is, is pulling on the past to point us towards the future. How many times has God been compassionate and merciful to you? How many times has he been gracious to me? How many times do I deserve something and I didn't get it? How many crimes did I get away with? How many crimes did you get away with? How many years in prison should we all do? Should we ever get out? When we realize that we don't really want justice, I want justice for you. Conviction on you. Jesus, get them. Grace, compassion, blessings on me. I'm the worst sinner I know. You are the worst sinner you know. Maybe we should judge our own sins as harshly as we judge others. Maybe we should come before God as much as we're trying to throw other people there.
you know, God's wrath and judgment was taken upon the cross. That doesn't mean that if we continue in a pathway to sin, that correction and consequence can't come. So many of us, you know, we get away with it for such amount of time, but then eventually when God has spoken to us enough times and that we've tried to evade his His ways of doing things, all of a sudden correction comes and we, we start, God, why did you do this to me? But if we really look at how long he's allowed us to continue in certain sins before he put the pressure on. You know, how many crimes did I commit before I first went to jail? A lot. Some of you have never been to jail. It's a fun time. You should go. New Year's resolution. Jail for you. You know, how many times did we do certain sins and we think we're getting away with it, God's not paying attention, then all of a sudden a consequence comes and we're like, we're up in arms and like, why me? Why did this happen? I don't understand. See, Joel is trying to get the people to turn back to God. And I think it's a fitting message as we move into this new year that we need to repent. Each one of us has an area of something that we should be repenting of and not trying to manage our sin. Well, you know, I'll I'll just do a little bit less than I did before. That's okay, right? At least I'm not doing that sin. And we start to justify things that he's convicting us of, but we're not ready to let go of. And then we say, well, look at all the stuff I'm behaving in, God. So I still want this, but I want you, but I don't want you to make me feel guilty of this and be real proud of me that I got rid of that, but I didn't really get rid of that. It's you that got rid of that, but I won't let you have this, so I don't really want you. I still want to do this. But bless me. See, Joel's calling them to repentance. And repentance isn't I'm sorry, repentance is change. But it's also an understanding that I can't change myself, that I need God's strength, I need God's power, I need God's word, I need the mind of Christ, I need God's people. So often I want to change myself and I don't want accountability because then if I want to slip, oh well, no big deal. But see, when we enter into accountability, we got that mixed up too, because I want you to be my accountability partner, which means you're going to chase me around and try to get me to behave. That's not how that's supposed to work. I'm supposed to reach out to you every time I struggle, every time I'm crazy, every time I want to do the wrong thing. I need help me, help me, help me. And at least it lets me know that someone's there. It's not their job to chase me. It's my job to chase them. It's, they're helping me. But so often we think accountability is you chase me and I'll get really angry at you when you try to get me to stop. (laughs) Don't judge me. (laughs) Well, technically, if you call yourself a brother or sister, it's my job to judge you and it's your job to judge me and it's your job to judge her and it's her job to judge him And because it's our job as the body of Christ to come together and be strengthened. Yay.
See, when we repent, God says that he reverses the evil and the effects of sin. That he turns judgment into salvation. See, God is going to defeat our enemy when we stop holding hands with him. That he will restore us from a very devastated, broken place and bring us back to life. And he will give us a life that's abundant. God wants to glorify himself through us because we can't change ourselves and our family and friends that know that we're really, really jacked up see that God moves in us and they're like, there's something to this Jesus stuff. But so often I'm trying to get them to change and I'm not really changing myself and then they're like, I don't want to hear it because I'm not really changed yet. See, once again, back to the amends, so often I want to run to you and say that I'm sorry, but I haven't really changed yet. See, when it's put towards the end of the step work, when it's put into the ninth step, not the second step, by the time we get to it, we're already a changed person. So when I go to you and say, I'm sorry for what I did, they see that I'm a different person. That I'm not just saying I'm sorry again. And a lot of times the amends is change that I don't really need to say I'm sorry, that they already see that I'm sorry because my actions have changed. So often we want to lead with our words and not our actions, but our actions always talk louder than our words. That as God pours out his mercy on us because we have changed, he begins to give us hope. See, God promises hope for the hopeless. You know, so often we want blessings. We want what God can give us, but we don't really want God. But in reality, when we repent, we get free from sin and we get more Jesus, not just freedom. So often we want freedom, but we don't want Jesus. And it's like, well, wait, yes, I do. Why are you telling me I don't want Jesus? Because if you spend time with him, he changes things from the inside out. And we don't like it much. If you haven't spent time with Jesus and he's asking you to do stuff that you don't want to do, are you talking to the right Jesus? Because my Jesus pisses me off sometimes. Just saying. My Jesus is a gentleman. Where's that scripture? My Jesus goes into the temple flipping tables with a whip. Just saying. He has the ability to bring some pain. Conviction doesn't feel good. Correction doesn't feel good. Being told no doesn't feel good. Being told I need to do something that I don't want to do doesn't feel good. But it leads us to great things. And it's so important that we believe that God's ways are better than our ways. That if we're still in tune with ourselves and thinking, well, if I can just get Jesus to do what I want him to do, then I will have a good life. And if I can just get Jesus to get you to do what I want you to do, then I will be happy. No. Because 
I can only speak for myself, even though I'm going to speak for most of us, that any time that we get what we think we want, we're not happy anyway, and we're just on to something else. You know, I want this so bad, and then I get it, and it's just like, okay, now what? But when we get Jesus, he's the one that satisfies the inner workings of everything, and it's like, I can't believe that this is like a real thing. If you haven't been overwhelmed with his love and his compassion and his hope and his peace, you might be missing something. Now, I can step right out of that moment and deal with life on life's terms, and it's like, where did that go? Because we got to go to work, and our families are amazing. They just are great. We should have all have a bunch of extra siblings and extra parents for the holidays, right? No, like families are awful at times. Can be a blessing, can be not so much. But the point that I'm trying to make is that if I try to get everyone else to accommodate to my thinking and my will, I'm still not going to be happy. But if I get Jesus, I can have peace as I walk through craziness. I can go to a crazy workplace. I can go to crazy families. I can go to this. I can go to that. And I can still find peace in the midst of the crazy. You know, Joel once again is calling on the promises in Isaiah and Ezekiel and Zephaniah that there's going to be a future day of the Lord when God brings justice and he rights wrongs. You know, many of us have been through traumas. Many of us have been hurt and abandoned and broken and abused in many different ways. And most of my life I, I didn't understand and I said, why? Why me? Why this? Why now? Why? I said, why a lot? But as I gave those broken things to Jesus, and he began to heal the brokenness inside of me, he now then uses the abandonment of a father. He, he uses my sexual abuse. He uses my physical abuse of my you know, mom's boyfriends and stepfathers. He uses the neglect and the abandonment. He uses the pain. He uses the addiction. He uses the dysfunction for his purposes. What the enemy intended for evil, God will use for his glory. But I first have to give it to him. i got to surrender it. i got to put it down and say, this is at the foot of the cross. I'm repenting. I'm letting go. I'm asking for forgiveness. I'm asking to forgive others. Whatever it might be, that I'm asking Jesus into my situations, that he now puts me in position, and he puts you in positions to use your crazy past to help other people see that there's a real Jesus. That it's not about religious rules. It's not about going through the motions of church. That there's this deep, intimate, personal relationship with Jesus that anybody can have at any moment. And that we can give that to somebody by giving them hope of change. That if it's about following the rules, we're all screwed. This is a room full of people that don't follow rules real well. At all, really. You tell me this is the rule, I'm going to break it twice and flip you off as I'm doing it. I mean, that's how I've lived the majority of my life. That when we, I asked Jesus on the inside of me, he began to change things, and I didn't want to do certain things, because I knew if I did that, it affects my relationship with Jesus, and I would rather have my Jesus than whatever that might be. See, if that's not the way I'm dealing with sin, then I have something out of place. That I want more Jesus, 
And if I sin again in certain ways, I know it affects me and Jesus. That the fear of the Lord is realizing that if I step out in this direction, then I lose something. I don't gain something. And I lose something that satisfies me. I don't gain something that satisfies me. Joel foresees this renewal. He proclaims his promise. He says that God's presence will begin to flow out of the temple. God forgives. He gives his mercy. He brings us to this place of freedom. He talks about sin, but he talks about the hope of what repentance will bring. Even though there's this devastating destruction, God wants to show mercy. He wants to help us grow. He wants us to own up to our sin and confess it and repent and stop blaming others and start being accountable for our own actions because there's always somebody that we can blame. Most of us can blame our parents to the day we die for our lives being screwed up. But at some point, I have to realize that a lot of these decisions lately are my own. It's not mom and dad's fault. It's not the government's fault. It's not Obama's fault. It's not Trump's fault. It's not anybody's fault but my own or why things are falling apart. But as long as I'm blaming somebody else, I don't have to be accountable. And if I'm not accountable, I can't repent. I'm just asking God to do what I want Him to do. But what God really wants me to do is repent. And when I stop blaming, I finally can begin to move forward. God leads us to this hope. God leads us to this future. He defeats evil. He breaks off the enemy. He renews our mind. He heals our heart. He specifically prophesies that God will bring healing in His presence and He will make all things new. When I came to Jesus, I was really broken. I really didn't have hope for much. That if this Jesus stuff didn't work, I was probably going to commit suicide or at least die in my addiction. I can't believe that the life that I have today because of what Jesus has done. I can't believe that I'm watching some of you change and what God is doing and healing and changing and, and opening up your eyes to this whole new life. So often we go to church and we go through the motions, but that there's this whole other aspect of a relationship with Jesus that we just walk by because we don't really realize that we're missing it. Because we don't really realize how much our sin is affecting us. And it's not as bad as those people. Those people are really sinners. So therefore, I, I can continue to hang on to what I think is not a big deal. But God really wants to deal with each and every one of us specifically and personally because He loves us that much that He wants to come into the mess of our situations and give us the strength and the hope to change. Would you just bow your heads with me? Lord, I, I just thank You so much. I thank You for all that You're doing in our lives. I just ask that You would move in these situations in each and every one of us. Lord, I, I believe that we should take a moment of silence and each one of us should repent silently and ask you into that situation that we keep hearing ringing in our head as I've been speaking this evening, as you've been speaking this evening. So Lord, I, I'm just going to take a minute. Of, I ask that you would convict us.
And I ask that we would repent. Lord, I just pray for your mercy and your grace in these situations. Lord, I pray that you would pour out your presence on us. I pray that you would infill this temple and that you would begin to flow out of us. Lord, I pray that you would burn so bright and so hot that things would begin to change. Lord, I pray that this very night we begin to have peace in a way that we haven't had in a long time. I pray that there would be hope because we would want you instead of something else that you are the only thing that can satisfy us. So Lord, I pray that your healing presence comes this evening and makes all things new. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen, amen, amen.